Someone's mother, father, sister, brother. Someone's cousin they haven't seen since last Christmas. That lady with the freckles who serves you coffee every morning. Everyone's smiling, yet something is hiding in plain sight. Sometimes it hides behind a smile, an infectious laugh, or an act of kindness. But past those grinning teeth, you'll never know what's going through someone's head. What thoughts creep through their mind at night. Depression wears many faces. source for ratings and recommendations of past and present films. I am your host, Wes Jones, podcasting from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Hey, this is Tommy, podcasting straight from Nashville, Tennessee. The Movie Buddy Conway, podcasting from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Tonight, we have a special bonus episode of the podcast, and one I've been looking forward to all week we're going to be talking about the brand new horror drama mockumentary, We Are the Missing. And you can stream We Are the Missing right now for free on YouTube. But we have something even better for you. We're joined tonight by both the lead actress and lead actor of We Are the Missing to help us with this discussion. So without further ado, Real Talk a Movie Podcast is proud to welcome Mesa Hore and Mark Templin. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Your first time on a podcast? Uh, no, but I mean, like, local local podcast for me. Um, like, but not, nothing like bigger international. So this is my first international podcast. I would say we are international. That's a good way to describe. Yeah, that. I mean, for us, I mean, <laughs> I like that description. You all are invited anytime. <laughs> you all are based. I did a national podcast with. Um, for the Canadian government, um, where I, in my, in a previous life, Mesa, you're still doing that in your, in your day job. <laughs> yes, I am still doing my day job. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I did a, a, a mental health uh, podcast and uh, talked a little bit about um, my life as a public servant. Well, that's awesome, man. What, what was the name of that podcast? It's called the Toddcast, T-O-D-D. Okay. I don't know, Mesa, if you know that one. He's, no. uh, he's a federal public servant, and yeah, he was doing this off the side of his desk or at night, and uh, actually got approval to go ahead and do it because the, the um, powers that be at the government realize this is a really important thing mm-hmm. to talk about, to have public servants talk about their real lives and that they're, they're real human beings. Well, that's yes. awesome. We'll, we'll have to check out that episode. Yeah, maybe I'll send you a link after this. Yeah, yeah please do. So the first thing that we want to do is we just want to get to know each of you a little bit better. And so if you will, just please tell us just a little bit about yourself, any anything you want to talk about or anything that you want the audience to know. And and Mesa, we'll start with you. Okay. Um, so my name is Mesa Huri and I'm an Arab Canadian um filmmaker and actor. Um I created a web series called Dirty Love uh, that I, you know, wrote, directed, acted produced kind of thing I want to do that like with my own money kind of put that out there 
um, as an emerging filmmaker, you know, um, but I started as an actor for a long time. I studied theater, I studied film, but acting was my passion and, and being an Arab in the film world is not exactly ideal, I guess, you know, with the stereotypes and, and not very many characters. So I wanted to do something that broke those stereotypes and something that I related to. So I started creating. So mm -hmm. that's why I film make, but, uh, but acting is my, my first love. Awesome. Mark? Yeah, well, like I said, I, I uh, was a public servant at the Canadian government. I retired two years ago, um, and I had been I had been writing, and I just since ever since I was a little kid, pretty much as soon as I could write and pick up a pen and paper, I was writing stories. So um, I, I'd been dabbling in that and discovered screenwriting when I was about forty years old, and dabbled in that. But it was only when I retired that I really got a chance to to spend some time on it. So I was writing screenplays. And then someone suggested, well, you want to write for the movies, you should get on set. So um, I just some local productions I, I sat in on and helped out on, did some back background on some TV movies that were done, and got a really good headshot. And then that led to some speaking roles. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I'm, I'm, doing more, I'm doing more acting than writing right now. Nice. Mark, I've always heard the the headshots one of the most important aspects to being an actor. It it is unbelievable. I I didn't really know. Um, kind of lucked into um, a free headshot session with somebody that was offering it on this actors page. So I said, eh, I've got time. And he was looking for somebody. How did he put it? Uh, a face that tells a story. So I thought, well, I got some wrinkles. I'll um, <laughs> I'll see. <laughs> and uh, and they got the gray beard, you know. So uh, I just said, "Yeah, sure, if you if you'll take me." And he just he just did this outstanding headshot. Mesa, uh, it's the one with the bow tie. I don't know if you've seen that one. Oh yeah, I love that um, one. That's, yeah, it's like he it, it just captures the person. So I start sending this thing out. You know, if there's some calls out for, I got some commercials. I got and and just it was way way more fun than I thought it would be because I'm kind of an introvert too. So, yeah, and I've been taking classes and trying to get better, trying to raise my level up to get, uh, I'll be chasing Mesa, though. She's always going to be that much further ahead. But it was it was a lot of fun to to have a chance to work with you. We, this is our second film together, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah, because the other one hasn't been released yet. No, no. Mm -hmm. um, so, can yeah. You, can you all tell us anything about that? Can we get a sneak? preview or sneak peek of, of what that there, film is there's still editing and that one's another like thriller horror uh yeah. film and it was filmed in a cabin in the middle of the woods and it's it's uh i don't know how else to explain it oh what would be the log line to that one um it's well you play the main character there as well and you're you find yourself in some kind of a time loop yeah see i don't know if i can say that but yeah yeah like a time loop. <laughs> <laughs> like i didn't know if that was that's too much not of a spoiler well, but yeah no. we're already getting in trouble here on the, on the <laughs> show <laughs> All right, we're that was called deja dead deja dead yeah so they're they're still editing that that's in post-production right now and that was the first movie we did together and that was a couple years ago couple or less uh, i don't even half. know yeah and the and then, uh, Mark, did you? I, I was reading just a little bit of information about you guys as much as I could find. And did you did you write a short film called Sand and Stone? Sand and Stone. I did. I co-wrote that one with 
with Julian Bate Vergette, who is also he was part of the crew of um, of um, Deja Dead. Dead, yeah. So um, part of this same small circle uh, of people that are contacted. Yeah, so it was after Deja Dead that, um, and really it was Julian that reached out to me um, to be in that one because he saw that headshot. <laughs> and, he went, and I had no lines in that movie. So uh, he just wanted some guy that that looks like, you know, put him in a black suit and, ha- and look ominous. So I did. Um, and then he said, yo, you're a writer too. Okay, well, uh, it was a, it was last September when he first reached out to me for that one. And he said he had an, a, a story that he'd always wanted to tell. And um, he just needed another writer to write with him. And it's based on his, his life story. So, um, yeah, we put that one into a local festival and a few festivals. And it's done quite well. It's now um, been released as well. So you can check that one out. It's uh, not a horror movie. It's a, it's a drama. It's a it's a a human drama, family drama about a man struggling with his emotions um, over the loss of his father. Mesa, I wanted to get back to, to to you on that as well because I understand that that you won a directing award for a short film that you did. I, we would love to hear more about that. And he did actually for the same festival that uh, Sand and Stone first uh, was submitted to. So we have a film festival called the Digi60 Film Festival here in Ottawa, and that's for emerging filmmakers. I'm actually part of that festival now as a board member. I'm the director of women's industry for the festival. But a couple of years ago, when I first uh, entered the film festival, um, you know, they give you a catch. They give you a time frame and a time limit. So they do it twice a year normally. Spring Festival is a three-minute film, three weeks to kind of do it. And then in the fall, it's about, I think, eight minutes and 60 days to your film. And they give you a theme. So my theme um, was Connection. Uh, well, it's the whole festival theme for the, this, that, fest, that time. So it was Connection. And um, it was my second short film that I had done. And the cinematographer I had as a friend of mine, who was a great photographer, it was his first time doing a short film. And I was like, you know what, we don't really want to deal with dialogue and sound because it's kind of hard to deal with in three weeks. And, and all the sound people were kind of taken or busy during uh, doing other uh, shorts at the time for the festival. So I was like, you know, let's just do this, me and you. Um, and um, we, it was a three-minute film. I won the Female Filmmaker Award. I tied for Best mm-hmm. Director, and we were top five. And it was just uh, my daughter, who's the main actress, um, another main actor, and me, my cinematographer, and my husband, who like, who did it, and um, yeah, it was fun. It was just the music we picked was really emotional. It really, it was really close to my heart because you know it's mm-hmm. my daughter. But um, yeah, we we did really well, and we did really well um, to other festivals. I think we were in like, I think I won a few awards for that. So, and where where could we check that film out? That's on YouTube as well. It's called, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's called Inara. Inara. Well, I'm going to check that one out. Yeah, I can link you to that one. Yeah, it's uh, it's a fun little three minute film. It's a little emotional, and uh, and I usually like comedy, but I was like, I'm just going to make people cry because that's what wins <laughs> awards. So I was going to say that. That's it. Big right one. Emotional or yeah. <laughs> something scary, something that draws that emotion out, whatever it may be. Yeah, exactly. Because I was like, you know, I really like comedy, but like comedy never wins at festivals. We're going to make people cry. And then we did. So <laughs> I cried. I cried when did I you? saw that one. Oh, I did. Okay. I, and um, it's just that like you mentioned the music as well, right? Everything and Rami's cinematography was just yeah. so beautiful. It's a beautiful little film. Yeah. Um, and it just everything comes together perfectly to mm-hmm. set the mood for that yeah and 
Yeah, get some get some tissue for that one. I, <laughs> gonna... awesome. And I love that aspect that it's on YouTube, and of course this movie is too. And there's so much great content you can put on there and just at your fingertips. Yeah, I mean, at first it wasn't on you. I mean, we had to when you submit to festivals so hard you can't really um, you can't open it to the public right away. So depending like web series you can, but short films you can't open it to the public right away. So we did our rounds for the film festivals, and then once it was done, I just uh, I released it. So yeah. yeah, put it out there. And Sand and Stone was just released uh, last week, so um, that's available now too. So you can find that. And the other commonality there between these two films we're talking about, not only that festival, because this one best picture, uh, best film at that festival, the year mm -hmm. after Melissa won, uh, Peter Whitaker. Oh he's yeah, the main actor, actor. yeah. He's in he's both, still, that's true. You're main actor and he's supporting <laughs> actor in Sand yeah. and Stone. That's so true. And he's perfect. It's such a, we're such a small community film community here in Ottawa. Like it's it's uh, we have a really great independent community. Well, I know Gabe was having a little bit of audio, and I know he tried to ask a, a question earlier. Oh. I'll, let me let me go to him and, and okay. see see if we can hear him now and see if he's got any any questions for you guys. Mark, can you hear me? I can. Ah, I fixed it. I'm a genius. Yeah, it's nice and clear now. <laughs> I don't have a uh, I don't have a camera right now, but at least I can I can see you, but you can't see me. So, uh, real quick, um, and that's kind of creepy. Kind of fits in the theme of the movie. Kind of fits in the theme of the movie. That's the next movie title, guys. Yes. I can see you, but you can't see me. Anyway, um, so Mark, hey, don't uh, you your best ideas. Yeah, write that down. Is that written? I, I got <laughs> anyway, it. Anyway, I wrote um, it. So you said you were in public service, um, and you mentioned something about psychiatry. I, I own a psychiatry recruiting company. Do you do something? Were you a psychiatrist, a family therapist? What did you do? No, I was a patient. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I have uh, experience with mental health from the from the other side, uh, from on the couch. Yeah, um, and it, it's kind of related too to, to the film we're talking about tonight because um, I've had uh, chronic depression since I was in my twenties. So, um, and the interesting, and I've had really four, four bouts of major depression and, um, it's, it's not fun. It's, uh, and I, but I don't mind talking about it because what I found, one of the first, first things I learned about it was people don't talk about it. So, um, that was, that was really the purpose, how Todd uh, Lyons started the Toddcast. He talks about all kinds of topics now, but Mental health was a big, big part of it when he started. And I started to do talks at, at work as well for Mental Health Week. And what I found was that, um, first of all, before I ever did that, I, I thought I would not be able to. But because I was already comfortable speaking in front of, I already overcome my fear of public speaking. And I had this experience, but I had also seen some talks by other people and they really helped me just to know that there's somebody else out there that's that's feeling the same way. Um, and that was the most common thing. If I'd give a talk, someone would come up to me after and said, wow, I've, you know, in hushed tones, I've never told anybody else this before, but yeah, I've had it too. So they, they really did appreciate just knowing that you're not alone because it feels utterly lonely. Well, let me tell you this. I recruit for psychiatrists, and my job, quite literally, is to talk to psychiatrists all over the United States. And every single one of them, I tell, you know, hey, I suffer with anxiety, you know, while I'm talking to them. And they say, you know what? Me too. You know, the most <laughs> psychiatrists do. It's a, it's a national common thing, but it's an underlying thing. 
but it's going to become a lot more prominent after, you know, the COVID-19 stuff and everything oh, that yeah, everybody's going sure. through. So it's, mm-hmm. it's something that you should proudly talk about in my mm-hmm. opinion. But anywho, um, that's my only question. Um, I loved your flick. I was genuinely flight frightened last night. That's what I told Wes. I, I, and that's uh, your director did a heck of a job and I'm glad to be talking to you guys. Oh, awesome. I'm glad you that's liked great. it. Thank you. Well, Mark, we really appreciate you you sharing that with us, and I think mm-hmm. that we can say that you are certainly a success story from that. And I think the the doctors that worked with you were just were, were happy that you are are doing well. You're doing what you love, and like I said before, even more mm-hmm. uh, just very happy to have both of you here. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we wanted you guys to to come on in the first place was to talk about we are the missing. So I think yeah. that's a good transition. Let's so it. let's let's hop into that, and mm-hmm. I'll just yeah. give just the um, I'll give the audience just a little bit about the movie, what I know, yeah. and then hopefully we can open up and have a, a discussion about it. But first, I just I want to tell our audience that I truly enjoyed this movie, and the choice to do this story as a mockumentary it was perfect in my opinion because it really enhanced the realism of the story. And for me, if something is just so incredibly far-fetched and, and goofy, it's not gonna it's not gonna scare me. I've seen so many horror movies, but to get something that felt real like that did, that it it does. Like Gabe said, it gets under your skin just a little bit, it raises those hairs on the back of your neck. And I just wanted to ask real quick before I got any further, what is the movie based on or inspired by any true story, anything no. like that? No, not at all. Just totally no, organic story. Yeah. Out of Andrew's mind. Out yeah, of Andrew, he's exactly. <laughs> he's a writer, director, and um, yeah, he'd been kind of toying with this for a while. And and you mentioned the the mockumentary style. That was that was you know one of the big decisions that finally uh, the story came together for him when he made that decision because and for exactly the reason you were saying it's that realism that he wanted to hit, and I think that's a common common feedback he's getting. It wasn't going to be a film. It was going to be a, a novella. So, like, basically an online film that, like, um, that you can listen to, like a podcast. So it's just mm-hmm. going to be an online, like, soap opera kind of situation. Um, so I had recorded so much for him, and then he was like, "Yeah, we're going to make this a movie." <laughs> like, okay. Oh my God. There goes all my, you know, my footage <laughs> or my, <laughs> my sound clips gone. I, I, I got to tell you guys, when I found. When I found out Wes wanted to do this, I was nervous. I was like, what if this movie stinks? And then I have to go on here and talk to these people, and I have to pretend like I like their movie. But I, I was very happy when I got through it. I really liked it. And, you know, let me th- let me tell you guys. I've watched some lower-budget horror movies recently mm-hmm. that have scared me. Blair Witch frightened me uh, the most of any movie I've seen recently. Then Paranormal Activity. T-Man, I remember you calling me and asking me if I could come over and stay at your house after you watched it. I did. Oh, my God. Paranormal Activity, I think, is one of like the scariest movies I've ever seen. Blair Witch, I got through, and I think I was in high school when that came out, but uh, Paranormal Activity. So I've got to tell you, when I started, I was like, a low-budget mockumentary. How is this going to be frightening to me? Frightening to me. I had no clue that it was going to go the route that it did, and there were two sequences that I thought about at 11.30 last night while trying to sleep <laughs> that actually <laughs> – disrupted my sleep until 12 30 and I, ha- I i was finally like i rolled over next to my five-year-old i was like uh just let's just stick cuddle close tonight buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm glad i watched it guys oh, thank oh, you good. thank yeah, you that's great to hear add in there real quick 
I thought one of the best ideas was how the director chose to film it in that mockumentary style. I think that style has really kind of become really popular recently. Mm -hmm. They've done those films, um, The Searching, which was a big hit a couple years ago that kind of has the same format. I don't know if you all watched that film, but basically on the internet the whole time. And I really got that feel from it. And what I really was trying to figure out was how difficult that has to be to film because you're trying to keep the audience's interest while you're doing these interviews. And I just have to applaud you all for really keeping my interest. Kind of like what Gabe is saying. You know, I, I went in not with low expectations, but I didn't know what to expect. No, it was on YouTube. No, I never heard of it. And as I got into it, the more and more it progressed, I was like, wow, this is really well done. And so I just want to thank you all for being part of that and of course being on here like what's oh, that? Thank you. Thank you very was much. It, I'm enjoying was this. Is it hard acting in front of nobody? <laughs> Let me ask you um, that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we do quite a few takes, so we can kind of get into the character and get into the the lines because you're by yourself. It's just you and Andrew, um, and you're not looking at him while you're filming, so you're looking at nothing. And and um, so you know, we 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 go in a few times. You go per per line. We do a few takes, and we try different emotions as well. Because you know, and I was asking, like, do you want me to be like bawling my eyes? Out? What do you want? And he said, no, you know, let's let's build the arc. Let's just, um, you know, and like, and when he approached me about the to do it, he said, your mom, you know, and I really feel like you can you can nail this this emotion, and um, so he's like, let's not cry the whole time. Let's just have that, you know that roller coaster of emotions and stuff so we did that but it takes quite a bit of time to kind of get into it and try the lines a few times before you can really deliver i find anyways mark no it's similar um and you have more experience than i have acting in the first place so um this is all almost every almost every film that i do at this point is is so there's something new about it one thing was Andrew himself. He was so patient with me and so calming that it really, it really helped. And yeah, he deliberately does that. He he talks about uh, his process and specifically for this style is to do that to get us to run through it a few times. And what I found was exactly what he described: is I'm getting deeper and deeper, and I'm getting to my emotional core as at the same time as the emotional core of the character. Which means that at this point now, if there was another actor there, it, it would change the energy completely. It would be about the interaction between me and that other character as opposed to let's get to the truth of this character. And that's what he was talking about, be, being genuine and being truthful um, to these emotions. And even though it's acting and it's all made up, it's fiction. These are emotions everyone is experienced with. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's how the, the audience can relate to it. There's this fear. There's this dread. There's this sense of alienation throughout the, the whole story that is so common. And it's funny that he's been thinking of this story for two or three years. Yeah, is it, so, yeah, uh, quite a while. Mm-hmm. And for it to come out during a pandemic while, and for him to finish it during a pandemic yeah. while everybody is isolated. Mm-hmm. It's really, really touching a nerve right now, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I did want to set the stage just a little bit for the listeners. Uh, we Are the Missing, it is a 2020 Canadian film. Like Mark was just saying, they, they finished it during the pandemic. It's just been released. It was filmed on location in Ottawa, written and directed by Andrew J.D. Robinson. And the synopsis 
uh, that I was able to pull. It says the scariest nightmares are the ones that you can wake up in. Uh, you can wake up to in We Are the Missing. It follows Angie and John Madison, played by our guests, desperate search for their missing daughter Riley. And a lot of the movie, like we've talked about, is shot in the interview style, and it's got extreme close-ups, so they've got the camera in their face, and it's an intimate setting. And one thing I noticed about the movie is that the film really required you guys to speak on grief and, and loss, uh, and that's not really, certainly not covered in depth in most movies like it is in this particular one. And so in preparation for your scene, were you were you able to kind of tap into that a little bit for your performances? Well, for myself, I mean, I'm a, I'm a parent. I have two young girls. And so that's always my fear is, is are my kids going missing or something happening to them? So that's mm-hmm. what I really tapped into. And I have actually a lot of when I put the preview on my Instagram, I have a lot of mom friends being like, I can't watch your movie. Like, come on, you just please do it. They're like, no, it's just, it's too hard, you know? Um, so it's, it's, uh, that's where I, I pulled from is that, you know, I'm a mom and this is my worst nightmare. How do I deal with this? Mark, what about you? Well, for me, it was, you know, there's a line in there. Uh, and I talked about the experience with depression and that um, there's a line in there about our, our daughter, uh, Riley, um, who it's not, it's just mentioned that depression wears many faces. That's the line. So one character says depression wears many faces and Riley's was one of them, but we don't really talk about it after that. It just quickly mentioned. And to me, that's like I was saying earlier, that's the experience of talking about depression, which is not talking about it. Mm -hmm. There's this, this pain that people are going through that you have no idea. And that was a big part of the story, too. From Andrew's point of view, what he was saying was that when someone goes missing, um, it's the rest of us that are carrying on, that are carrying a great emotional burden. There's this heaviness um, that that we're we're left with. Like, is there is there some pain that, why did they leave? Where did they go? Were they abducted? Did they run off? Were they having issues? If there's only something I could have done differently, that's a very, very common response to uh, death, to uh, runaways, to suicide. So knowing that side of it, I was kind of approaching it from that point of view. And my character, John, very, very different than Angie, um, his his ex-wife. Angie is dealing with it up front. Angie is crying. She is processing this. And John is really distancing himself. And so as a male and as a person who at least one of the times I was depressed myself, it was that I was I was repressing emotions. I wasn't processing them properly. So there's this whole aspect of denial uh, and not talking about issues that, that that's where I came from for this character. Well, one of I've the got, notes hold on, hold on. that I got I, a pause right here, Wes. I've got a very serious question. So you, it goes from that where you guys are, you know, showing all this emotion to my favorite line in the movie. There's a line. There's a line where they're they're typing, and she, the last person, last thing that he said was send nudes. And oh, you send guys nudes, both, yeah. You guys <laughs> both have to, had to go from a serious, serious acting place to send nudes. <laughs> I literally laughed out loud. I, I, I did. I did too. I wasn't. I was not expecting. I was not expecting that. 
because I think there's even like a little bit of music, almost like a ta-da, and then it's like, mm-hmm. well, I, that's a great point, Gates. I think uh, they do a really good job in the film of doing that throughout, bringing that levity to it, and he mm-hmm. does that through the cutting. I think, like, I love the part where they're showing her scripts that she was right. Writing. The, and, yeah, the music and changes, that, and it's like, right. yeah. Yes. Kept changing, kept changing. Music. And... Yeah, and I, I thought that was really good, too. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great point, Gabe, about how it brings that, even though they've got that emotional part, mm-hmm. and then it goes into the humor, which brings that level. Yeah. I can't mm-hmm. say send nudes without laughing, and they both did it, though. <laughs> <laughs> we have to act like, you know, like, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> does that mean I'm 13? Yeah, <laughs> no, no. I knew what I meant, but as you know, I guess an older parent may be uh, confused. Uh, but <laughs> I'm in well, my 30s. I'm in my 30s. I'm not. Uh, I'm not as old as Angie is, or I don't know if she's <laughs> in her 30s. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm written. I don't know. I just go ahead, Mark. I'm sorry. I was just saying. I I uh, I really appreciated Andrew casting us as a couple because I. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was, I was flattered by that. <laughs> Mark's like, well, yeah. I, I, mean, I, mean, like, Mason, I don't know if I can believe you having a 22-year-old daughter. I was like, well, my sister is 42 and has a 22-year-old daughter. They're like, yeah, but you don't really look that age. I'm like, well, I'll take it anyways. Well, you got that gray streak. Yeah, he, that, was a, that was a stress streak that he, he put in my hair, a stress streak from the, the you know, the stress from missing uh, my child. I was actually, I'd made a note of that and I was going to ask you about that, but then I thought, Mm -hmm. well, what if it's just like her, like a fashion statement that she's trying to do? No, I wish that was like a rogue streak. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, maybe, maybe uh, that would be an insulting question. So I'll just avoid that one altogether. (laughs) I thought it perhaps was a stress streak. Well, Andrew wanted it specifically. He's like, I I need you to put a stress streak in your hair. So I bought you products. We're going to do it in the bathroom. Like, okay. It's just like a spray that we put in my hair. He's like, he wanted Andrew to be super, you know, like this. I liked it. The Rogue is my favorite X-Men and she has that. So I was cool with it. I was cool with it. But uh, yeah, like, I mean, when Andrew casts, he doesn't really like color cast. He doesn't like, you know, with age and stuff. He's really, really good about that. So, which I, I like, he's very into diversity so i mean angie could have been into older men like hey why not yeah i didn't think it was like obvious like it didn't strike out to yeah. me like that there's a huge age mm-hmm. gap and honestly hollywood that's kind of like it's ml i just learned yeah. the other day that for high noon gary cooper was 52 and grace kelly was 21 so it's that, like that's kind of yeah that's a huge thing that, in hollywood is it's always older than men and, and and younger women and like if it, a woman is like 30 she's too old too old you it's can't so crazy you, what was the last like big film you saw with two actors like dating married same age the Are, same age right yeah i know maggie yeah. gyllenhaal made a huge deal about it because she was apparently too old to be cast as like a six-year-old's girlfriend and she's like i'm in my 30s like how does this make sense this is really bad so she made a big deal about that but uh but i i would just say you know angie she was young and and into older men so i that's how i took it (laughs) (laughs) well that that was good for for mark's character then right yeah Yeah. so yeah i've written down a few thoughts on the film and you you've already alluded to it earlier and when I was looking under the film, I was just reading some of the the YouTube comments to see what others had said. And somebody else had said my thought. And I was like, okay, maybe I won't sound so weird bringing this up on the podcast then. Because while I was thinking about the movie, of course, we've already said it unfolds in the interview format. And a lot of times I felt, you know, I could just be hearing this 
and get a lot of that story. And it felt like it could have been a very scary story for, you know, the old Mercury Theater broadcast that they did back in the late 30s. I'm talking about episodes they did like War of the Worlds. It had that very vintage feel where the special effects and on-screen action, they weren't essential to the effectiveness of the story. And so for that reason, I think the the scares that the film brings out or the uneasiness mm-hmm. that you feel is genuinely earned. And somebody else had had put in the YouTube comments, this reminds me of of like a War of the Worlds type radio broadcast. And I was like, yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I had thought. I yeah. wrote that, Wes. Yo, you wrote it, team. No. <laughs> <laughs> to make me feel better. Just, I knew you were going to read it. <laughs> Well, I, just, I didn't know if that was, uh, like you had said, it had started off as maybe it was just going to be like a, a podcast episodes. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think that yep. he almost could, you know, cut it just a little bit, maybe do a little bit of different things with the story and then re- also release it as as podcast episodes. Because well, I was telling Mark, too, that like it could have been like a short mm-hmm. film almost like depending on how he cut it. Mm-hmm. In all seriousness, nope. my favorite podcast are murder mystery podcast or missing um, missing child podcast or where where they find miss. True so that's crime, a popular that true crime, basically true yeah. crime podcast. That's a popular genre, and that's what your movie starts out as. So people that love that stuff are going to love your movie naturally. Yes, so um, I agree with that. And so, and that is a that I think that's everybody that I talk to loves true crime podcasts. Um, I will say to you guys, there is one section that was ultra creepy to me, the, where they were all around you, them describing ghosts as all around you all the time. And that's mm-hmm. what scared me last night. Do you guys know that section? <laughs> yeah. Is that, uh, well, I mean, but you, you don't even know if they were, if they had just gotten there or if, if they've always been there. Right. Was that, was that the one in the car when the, when the um, the online personality, uh, she has this uncharacteristic breakdown and she's in the car. Is that the one? That moment? Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, uh, that's the one that got to me. Yeah. But I got to say, in Canada, aren't, um, you know, on my favorite show, How I Met Your Mother, they're afraid of the dark in Canada. Is this is this not frightening for you guys up there? <laughs> <laughs> we used to have a show called Are You Afraid of the Dark on uh, uh, Nickelodeon. Well, we had it on YTV, but yeah, it's Nickelodeon. So we had, yeah. and that's where Ryan Gosling was was on, right? Like where he got his start way back when. And, and they used to do like camps, like these creepy stories around a campfire and stuff. So yeah. and I think, we love this stuff here. To Gabe's point, I think the movie reminded me of that. And I think, Wes, mm-hmm. you alluded to it, like that campfire aspect, campfire mm-hmm. tale aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really enjoyed. You know, I, I was watching by myself last night. I had the lights turned off. And to Gabe's point, I was getting a little, uh, I was getting under my skin a little bit. But because uh, it's so realistic, when you, like, these people are interviewing, and I feel like that's the, the realism of the the interviews yeah. and, like, just the the cell phone videos, I think that's what makes it so creepy because it's it's filmed that way, so it looks so real. Um, I believe in ghosts, but anyway. <laughs> so. And there's a... There's a few times there that the line repeated or the theme repeated more than once that if it could happen here, it could happen anywhere. If it could happen in Darcadia, mm-hmm. it could happen in your town. Yeah. And that's the, uh, you know, that's kind of a war, war of the worlds thing as well. Like they've, they've landed here, but they're coming after you. It could happen mm-hmm. anywhere. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what that reminded me of? Limetown. It's a real popular podcast that became um, a show, a series on, uh, it's like Facebook series now. It's on their Facebook streaming site, and it reminded me a lot of that podcast. It happened here. It could happen there. I've heard about the game. Mm-hmm. And it's also reminiscent of the famous line at the end of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, where I remember in the 1950s version, he's yelling at the camera, you're next, they're coming. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it's kind of like that, and I really like that aspect to it. Mm-hmm. I meant to ask this question earlier, but we've just kind of we kind of got rolling on the movie. But I was curious how you how you even got connected with the movie and ultimately what led you to wanting to accept the roles. And, th- and that's a question for both of you. Yeah. Um, for myself, I've, I've worked with Andrew a couple times before. Um, and like I said, we're a small independent community in Ottawa. And Andrew's very, um, he runs our Ottawa Actors Facebook page. Like he's super, but he's been super involved for a long time and he does a lot of horror films and he runs the 15 second horror. Like, so he's super involved and he knows, he just reaches out to all these different actors and kind of wants to get to know everyone's kind of strengths and, and, and who are, who he can work with. And um, I had done a recording for him once for one of his short films. And then I got to be in one of his second short films called the Becky Carmichael fan club. Ooh. and got to be that was that was a fun role to play and uh i'm just like a secondary character but but uh i'm creepy so it's <laughs> and then he reached out for me this one he said you know like i really have this uh this novella that i want to do and you know just have to record and it's a mockumentary and he's like i really feel like that you would be able to do this your mom i really feel like that would play really well into the emotions and I really think you could do this and so that's how we got talking about it and and I love working with Andrew so you know I'd do anything to work with Andrew so I took it awesome mm-hmm. and then I recorded so much of it and he's like we're gonna make this into a film like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was good practice yeah I think in the 911 call was like what I recorded previously yeah I think that's where he took it from <laughs> oh yeah okay yeah I uh I wanted to ask, there is a question that I want to ask. It's our famous question. What's your favorite scene of the movie? What's my favorite scene? Mark, you, you can answer that first. I'm going to think about it. <laughs> my favorite scene of the movie probably is the is the first time we meet our other daughter, Riley's oh, yeah. sister. <laughs> um, first of all, she's happening. really, really good. She, she's really good. Um, a spoiler, it, Mark. Well, <laughs> okay, this is the first spoiler. And again, Andrew said, I'm okay with that. Um, so that's, uh, I'll just leave it at that then and, and say that's my favorite. Uh, yeah, we didn't it. know that was going to happen. That. No, we didn't. I was like, oh, that makes us yeah, look that's like bad parents. Why. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, her parents. we're her parents and we didn't even know she existed. So yeah. um, <laughs> we never talked about it. And so that was a surprise to me. And it's a surprise. I think it's a spoiler. Okay. Um, it's a surprise to the viewer and it's really, really well done. Okay. Um, oh my gosh. I don't nice. know. I feel like, um, oh man. I feel like the end, one of the end scenes where they start making connections, I think that's what I like the best. And, and I, I agree with you. That. that was mine as well, is is where it all starts to tie together there yeah. at the end and just the light bulbs start start going off. And I was like, yeah. yes, I love this. I love yeah. how they tied it all up. I'm mm-hmm. glad you said that because what I wanted you to say, it involves you, Maisa. It's no. the it's the very, it's your tie-in to the mm-hmm. very end scene. 
And I don't want to say, I thought about it all day. I don't want to say anything that would spoil anything, but it's your <laughs> tie-in to the very end scene. It's my favorite mm-hmm. sequence. Oh, well, thank you. Oh, I like that. You know, like throughout the whole film, you're like, where, sometimes you're like, where is this going? And then everything just ties at the end. You're like, oh, now it makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah, well, I think so too. 12 Monkeys was a movie that we reviewed earlier on in the podcast that I loved. And I, I, the whole movie, I'm like, where is this going? And yeah. those are my favorite types of films. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's what this was. So anybody mm-hmm. looking to watch this, it's that type of movie. you got to watch yeah. the whole thing to see where it's going to go. You do. And, Absolutely. Mark, I don't, I don't think that we, we got to you with how you mm-hmm. got, got involved in the, in the production of the movie and what ultimately led you to want to accept their roles. Oh, all right. Okay. Um, yeah, it was uh, Andrew reached out to me and I knew his name. I didn't I hadn't seen any of his films yet. I am I'm new to horror. I'm new to acting first of all, but secondly, um as a movie fan, I haven't even watched a lot of horror films, but I knew Andrew as the as one of the administrators for the actors page. And he's really really good at at uh, fostering an online community and and getting people engaged and involved. And so I knew his name from that and just the conversation on the phone um, may be quite comfortable um, and he sent me some lines and I thought yeah this looks different this looks fun I'm still exploring a lot of different things at this point I haven't settled on on any one thing um, the horror that we did Mesa and I together more of a thriller I would call yeah. it yeah more of a thriller uh, I guess yeah we got dead um, and so that was a lot of fun and then working with the assistant director on that one, Julian, to do Sand and Stone. He's into horror. So I thought, yeah, this is this is a good opportunity to do something like that. And it just it sounded really interesting. And Andrew, I think ultimately is the one that convinced me because he just sounded really easygoing, really easy to work with. And so I said, yeah, let's let's give this a go. And Andrew's a one man show. So he's camera, he's sound, he's light. <laughs> like he's everything. And he wrote. Yeah. And he wrote, he wrote it. Wrote- like he's he has no crew. It's just him. Oh wow! That is yeah. Impressive. Yeah, no it's crew. just him. No crew. It's just he's he has you know the his good setup of the camera, the sound. He has like the great gear, the lighting. It's him. He writes it. He edits it. You know, he, it's him. He's just he's and great. He do you yeah. all find that more difficult uh, to act in that type of environment, or do you find it easier? Because you know a lot of films they have multiple crew members, mm-hmm. a bigger set with this, where it's just a one person. What what would you all prefer? What did you find or get out of that aspect of it? Um, it depends because it's like second time I worked with Andrew on camera, and um, no, it's so because he's so easygoing and he's so encouraging when you know, and he knows what he wants, and you know, he he giggles a lot. <laughs> so like he's really you know he's really great and so and he's easy going so i find it's very comfortable if we're one-on-one sometimes it's hard harder to act in front of one person than like a whole crew but because you know getting to know him and like at first i was very nervous the first time i worked with him because it was just me and him or one-on-one or me and another actor and him but uh no you get comfortable because he's so easygoing and uh you can really talk your scenes through with him and and um no, he's great. So it really, it really depends on on the casting crew. Like I've had a bigger crew when I did my web series, and sometimes it's just too many people and and mm. for nothing, you know. So sometimes yeah. the smaller the better, you know. Yeah, I, I just thought for this style, uh, for this mockumentary style, it it was it worked really really well, uh, just to have him and me, and and it's like 
you know, it's like somebody, uh, a small TV, um, uh, what do you call them, a video journalist coming out with uh, with just the video camera and recording an interview. That's what it, that's kind of what it felt like. So uh, I thought it, it actually helped set that tone and, and that style. Well, I, I think the last thing that I wanted to, to bring up about the movie is I thought it was a really interesting artistic choice that a lot of the in-between interview text filler scenes were shot where the camera is upside down on some beautiful landscapes and then you get the text and sometimes maybe I, I look a little bit too much into stuff but I was kind of thinking maybe the director is metaphorically saying here that this whole situation in Darkadia is just so upside down but I, I really thought that was that was unique how he did that do you have any insights into what the the director choice was for for shooting those text filler scenes like that. I feel like I don't, but I feel like that sounds like Andrew. <laughs> what you're saying, I feel like that sounds like Andrew, and uh, you know, it definitely I felt add to its creepy element to it. So uh, you're probably dead on about that because it sounds like Andrew. Yeah, I haven't spoken to him about that specifically either. Um, I can I can say that probably like everybody viewing it, it it's a disorienting technique it, it throws mm -hmm. you and um one of the things andrew has said more than once because this isn't going to be the only story we see from darkadia in fact um becky carmichael that took place in darkadia yeah it's like uh, this little, little uh, town that he it's well, like, little, invented yeah that he always yeah. refers to it's, it's like a like King type thing yeah, yeah, I asked him about that, and he said exactly. Stephen King and H.P. Lovecraft were yeah. both inspirations for that, where he's he's creating a universe with mm -hmm. overlapping characters, and so we're going to see more films from him about Darkadia. And he, what he said is that there's really something wrong with Darkadia, mm -hmm. something terribly wrong here. So I think that those upside down images help help to uh, contribute to that. Yeah, he has another feature. He has a couple of features, and I'm pretty sure they're like prequels or like uh, two to this. So coming out, well, eventually, mm. like he's working on that now. We'll be definitely checking those out. I'm I'm already very interested in this world of Darkadia that he's building. Yeah, check yeah. out the Becky Carmichael uh, fan club. That's a that's a very different one. It's a long short, I would call it. I guess. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty. 33 minutes, I think. Yeah, about. Mm -hmm. Well, in, in kind of winding things down here, I, I did want to ask you guys a, a question because I feel like we maybe are facing as, as a new podcast and trying to get off the ground and we might be facing some of the similar challenges that in, indie films face. Mm -hmm. And so what I wanted to ask each of you is that there are a lot of independent film fans around the world but for those lovers of indie films what would you what's the best way that we can support your efforts in bringing more of these stories uh, to us you know um for me like subscribe to people's youtube channels where they put their films yeah you know or to their social medias and you know uh promote the ones that you really enjoy put them on your soul you know tell people to check them out i feel like that helps a lot because everyone you know is funding out of pocket and and putting their heart and soul into it and it's just it's just to get eyes on it so if you can you know subscribe to their channels or promote them um review their films things like that that's that's 
you know, reach out and say, hey, I really liked your movie or, you know, things like that. I think that would be really helpful for independent filmmakers. Yeah, I, I agree. I was going to say something very, very similar. And, um, you know, whatever other platform you guys have a presence on, um, mm-hmm. whether it's, uh, Instagram or something like that, just yeah. post a few stills or, or whatever. Um, and that uh, that there's this, it's almost like there's this whole other world. And that was, again, I've only been doing this a couple of years just to step in. I, in my own town, I had no idea there were this many people making this many films and uh, working together and being really, really collaborative and supportive. Um, and yeah, this is happening all over the world. So uh, just, yeah, spread the word on whatever platform you're on and have little conversations on, on mm-hmm. social media. Yeah, because I feel like independent films are so great because, you know, they, they um, have a different diverse voice. Mm-hmm. You know, there's things that, you know, you don't have to wait for Hollywood to green light. Like you can do this on your own. And, and uh, which is why, like I did the series, because I'm like, this is nothing, nothing like out there like this. And it's something that I relate to. And there's nothing I relate to, you know, as a person on, on screen. So I'm going to do something like that. And I feel like that's, you know, it gives us more of an opportunity to use our voices and, and make more you know relatable content or just our own content that we like you know different horrors romantic comedies you know things like that and, and that you don't really see in Hollywood so I feel like that uh you know there's this whole other world out there and you know we should sub- in- independent filmmakers or actors should really support it yeah and I was gonna uh, add on to that Wes about so you mentioned that you all uh had been to a few film festivals mm-hmm. with this and what was your reaction from those film festivals? What type of reaction did the film get? Oh, no, this is brand new, like just released on Monday. So we haven't done any film festivals with this one yet. We've done oh, other films, other uh, films. Yeah. So that other actually films. my next question. That was good. I led into that well then. So <laughs> what, was the, uh, what, was this, uh, what was the decision to go straight to YouTube on this? Was it because of the pandemic and kind of the circumstances we're in on that? Can you speak to that a little bit? Um, I, I'm not sure what Andrew's uh, planning. I think he might be submitting to film festivals. I'm not sure, but I think he wanted it to be readily available because, you know, everyone has, he has had over 110 actors on this. And I think he just wanted it to, to put it out there and, and, and get some traction and, and attention to it. And because we are in a pandemic, I think he wanted to release it as, uh, since we're all at home. Mm. Yeah. And I, I think there's a few factors there. He, the other thing I saw that he had said was that, um, yeah, he wasn't even looking for, for distribution on this mm-hmm. because yeah. it's his first feature length. Mm-hmm. He wanted to get it out there, get some eyeballs on it and, yeah. um, and have a taste for it so that what he would do then his plan going forward is to, is to seek some funding and seek distribution for his subsequent feature length. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense to do it that way. Yeah, I thought it was really And, and Andrew has a, a great following on YouTube because he runs the 15-second horror challenge. I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys have heard of that, but people submit 15-second horror shorts. And uh, he gets a lot of, uh, you know, big people in horror films to to judge them and, and mm-hmm. then to, to, you know, pick their, their favorites and, and stuff. So he's uh, he founded that. And because of that, he has, like, I think 15,000 subscribers on YouTube. So, like, I put it up on there and hope to, anybody has has eyes on it right away. So I think we were at like 4,000 views in like a few days, I think three days. So for a feature length on YouTube, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, that is good. That's extremely impressive. And mm-hmm. I can tell you this director is very original. I love his ideas. Mm-hmm. I, and, and, and if, and I saw that he wrote it too. And I was like, 
his writing's great. I mean, he goes from humanizing like statements like I have a mm-hmm. hard time putting her face next to missing cats and dogs. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. that line. And then he goes to like creepy lines like they eat you while you're while you sleep until <laughs> This is how Andrew texts us. No, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, he writes some like great lines. So no, I'm yeah. I'm really interested in this world. I'm interested in this next film. I mm-hmm. love the ending of this film. I don't want to ruin anything. Mm-hmm. So he has such a creative mind. Like you really should see his other shorts. Like they're very different and and out there, very unique and uh, very. Uh, he has a very unique style, and I love it. So I'll check him out. Mm-hmm. Like I said, as as we wind down here, uh, Mesa, we'll start with you. Can you tell us where where can we see your next work? Like, what do you have on the horizon? And then, you know, where where can we keep up with you? Um, well, I have a web series, like as I mentioned, uh, called Dirty Love. It's a Dirty Love series on YouTube. Um, it's a dramedy, uh, very different from We Are the Missing. Uh, it's about an Arab Canadian woman who ends up selling adult toys. So very different than this. Um, um, And, you know, I have, uh, so that has has its own YouTube um, channel. And um, I'm on YouTube, Mesa Huri, and you'll have Inara uh, on there. It's my short film. I'm on Instagram at Miss underscore Mesa. And I'm on Twitter at Mesa Huri. So uh, I have things there. I'm currently working on another TV series that I'm working with a production company getting funding to get that going. So right now I'm, I'm kind of just chill, <laughs> uh, doing some acting uh, here and there. And that's about it for now. No, it sounds like you've got a busy schedule. I'm also a mom and a public servant. And <laughs> so <laughs> I work in the same department that Mark worked at, retired from, but I don't, I don't put that anywhere on my profile as uh, a public servant hey. <laughs> in real life. I think so. I got to jump in here in Mark too, because I'm actually a public servant down here in Tennessee. Okay. So. So you all strike my heart there. I'm like, they're really, not only they're doing public service, but they're out doing something they love also on the side. Mm-hmm. That's really impressive. Yeah. How do you yeah, find I mean, time? How do you find time as a parent? It's so hard. And you know, I get this question a lot because my kids are, you know, going to be seven and one just turned four and, you know, working full time and doing like filmmaking almost full time. It's, it's really hard. But, you know, like Mark, I had gone through depression as well, but only because I had landed in the public service <laughs> to pay some bills. And I was like, but I had studied film, like this is what I want to do. But like, well, now I have to pay my school and now I have to pay rent and I have to pay bills. And then 12 years later, I'm still here. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, um, I, I went through depression being like, this is not where I had seen my life. I, I don't, I didn't want to die in a cubicle. What's going on? And so that's when I went and I saw an agent and like started taking acting classes again. And I just wanted more for myself. And I honestly, once when um, my first daughter was born, I was like, how am I going to tell my child to follow her dreams if I can't do it? And I'm going to die in a cubicle. i be like, go, that's go do what you know. I support you. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was like, I have to be the example of, you know, a strong mom, a strong woman that I can do this. And then, uh, so uh, that's how it started. I went and I joined an agency. Uh, I got into a web series and a director, the director of the web series saw that I was really interested in a lot of the technical stuff. And he was said, hey, you want to come help me out and assist? And that's how I started and more creating my own stuff and and being an actor and being Arab. Um, it was it was hard for myself to find roles like my agent was like it's hard to submit you sometimes you know and, and when you get Arabic roles they're like a terrorist sister of a terrorist you know covered Muslim and I'm like do you know I don't I don't relate to any of that because that's not a real you know just let you guys know it. like terrorists are very very like small percentage of like are the Arabs like very very just like the KKK just to let you guys know that so, <laughs> no, 
I feel like some people just need to hear that. But, you know, we're um, so Arabs are really nice. I promise you we'll feed you. We'll take care of you. <laughs> so, um, so uh, you know, these stereotypical roles, you're like, that's not how I want to represent my community, my culture. So it was really it's really hard to find. So that's why I started creating my own roles, things that I could relate to. Um, and like if you've seen my like Twitter, Instagram account, I don't look like what people think Arabs look like. Um, that you can see me on screen. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, so I told, you know, I want to tell my kids, like, you got to follow your dreams. I got to do it. So I, I, so I do it. I just have this drive and I just push through it. You know, I, I go to bed at like midnight because I'm, I'm, I'm after my kids go to bed, I, I'm working on my film stuff. I'm, I'm learning lines, you know, every Monday night I have my acting class through zoom, you know, Saturdays I was doing a comedy writing class. So, you know, you just, I have a really supportive partner. My husband's amazing and he really, really helps. And that's super, super uh, important is that to have a supportive partner if you have children, 100%. So he that's knows my that's my life. about me too. So. <laughs> that you're a supportive <laughs> husband? <laughs> yeah, that don't, every time, especially when I'm not around. That's what she yeah. says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She just well, goes like, on to her friends yeah. about it all the time. And, and <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. But no, yeah. I'm glad you have that too. Um, yeah. so. And as an actor, like my husband, I'm like, you know, I'm going to be kissing other people. And he was like, I'm not going to watch it, but I'll, I'll support you. <laughs> <laughs> now, that would be hard. That would be hard yeah. for me. But I could do it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll tell Rachel that. Gabe said you can kiss other people. It's kiss okay other people. You don't have to see it. <laughs> Let's not go that far. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mark, what about you? What, what's, what's next for you and, and where can our listeners keep up with you? Well, um, you can follow me on Instagram, um, Templin Mark, and uh, not to be confused with the VP of uh, Toyota, actually CEO of Toyota Financing by the name of Mark Templin. It's a different Mark Templin. <laughs> uh, he's, he's more famous than I am right now. Um, but I've got a couple of scripts on the go there that I can't tell you too much about just yet. But you mentioned Sand and Stone. That's just been released. That's on YouTube. You can find Sand and Stone, uh, directed by Julian Bait-Virget. Um, I also, um, we mentioned the other one that Mesa and I were in that hasn't been released yet. It's, it's in post-production called Deja Dead. Um, you can find me on a few other little films on Ottawa Short Films. If you look at O-T-T-A-W-A, Ottawa Short Films. Uh, a lot of people in this, run by a, a local filmmaker named Randy Smith. And he just encourages people, send, upload your films that, that you're just doing. Um, I wonder so if I'm, my films are on there. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I, unless you sent it in, I don't think it's there. But, right. but um, he's encouraging people to do that. And it's, it's, so I'm, I appear in a few of those. Um, and one, um, one I'm really proud of called uh, Unfinished Manuscript. So if you look for that, Unfinished Manuscript by Vincent Valentino. Um, that was out just in uh, December. So you can find me there. Um, I'm on Instagram. I post maybe once a week at this point. And uh, yeah, more writing coming up. That's uh, This pandemic has put us into post and pre-production mode. There's not a lot of shooting going on. So um, yeah, post and uh, three scripts I'm working on right now. Um, not even counting the adaptation of my grandfather's historical novel, which is probably many years away from, from reality. but. I'm adapting Amazing. that. Yeah. 
Well, guys, thank you so much for for being on Real Talk, a movie podcast. We have had a, a great time getting to know you. Excited to check out some more of your work. And uh, I, again, for our listeners, you can find We Are The Missing currently streaming on YouTube for free. And we encourage everybody to go check out the movie. Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Tell us what you think about it. We always love reading our listeners' comments and and reactions. And just for our next episode of Real Talk, which will be released just in time for the 4th of July, we're going to go in-depth on the 1996 film Independence Day. And so we're really, really excited about that. And uh, that's it. Again, thanks so much, guys. Thank you guys so much for for having having us. Yeah, anytime. Uh, as you get some of, of your future workout, maybe you can come back again and we'll check in with you and see how things are going. Definitely would love yeah. that. Yeah. I'll send you some links. Yes, Looking sir. Thank you all. Thank you all guys. right. Well, that's a wrap.